Hello, and welcome to Entering the Infinite, Magic the Gathering podcast, all about infinite combos. I am your host, Aaron Benick. And last week, we went with a graveyard heavy build, uh, looping things in and out of the graveyard with Tyam, Luminous Enigma. It's a very grindy, very synergistic combo deck with plenty of value to offer and lots of fun loops to perform. If that sounds like fun to you, go check out last week's episode. But this week, we'll be talking about a more spell-based combo deck that's much more aggressive than other decks in the past. She's one of the best Boros commanders and one of the most popular. It's Feather the Redeemed. Uh, she is a red, a white, and a white, so three mana altogether. For a legendary creature, Angel, it's a 3-4. She has flying. Whenever you cast an instant or sorcery spell that targets a creature you control, exile that card instead of putting it into your graveyard as it resolves, and if you do, return it to your hand at the beginning of the next end step. So, Feather is one of the best Boros commanders because she provides you actual card advantage while putting some serious clocks on the board. Able to get off running with uh, aggressive starts and keep them in the later game with her ability to keep pump spells and continue to cantrip off of them. Uh, She combines the hostility and combat-centric ideals of Boros with the much-needed card draw that Commander requires during the late game. Not only that, but she has some very interesting combos that are easily slotted into the deck. So the first main combo we're going to go with is Dual Caster Mage with either Heat Shimmer or Twin Flame. So I'm going to read Dual Caster Mage first. Uh, Dual Caster Mage is one, a red and a red. For a creature, it's a human wizard. It's a 2-2. It has flash, so you can cast it whenever, whenever. Uh, when Dual Caster Mage enters the battlefield, copy target instant or, or sorcery spell. You may choose new targets for the copy. So Dual Caster Mage goes infinite with, uh, both itself and either Heat Shimmer or Twin Flame, which both essentially do the same thing. So Heat Shimmer is two and a red for a sorcery. It says create a token that's a copy of target creature, except it has haste and at the beginning of the end step, exile this permanent. Twin Flame is two mana, one and a red for a sorcery. It has Strive. So Twin Flame costs two and a red more to cast for each target beyond the first. It says choose any number of target creatures you control. For each of them, put a token onto the battle... That's a copy of the creature onto the battlefield. Uh, Those tokens have haste. Exile them at the beginning of the next end step. So the way that this combo works is uh, this creates an infinite number of dual caster mages. So you cast either Twin Flame or Heat Shimmer targeting a different creature. It has to already be on the stack. And then you cast uh, the dual caster mage. So it enters the battlefield and then it copies the Twin Flame or the Heat Shimmer, and then the copy targets the Dual Caster Mage. The The original one that you're casting is still on the stack. So then the copy of Dual Caster Mage comes in, it makes another copy of the original spell that is still on the stack, and then it just does that over and over and over and over and over again. So it makes infinite Dual Casters, they all have haste, with uh, both of the spells, so you don't need any kind of haste enablers. They're all uh, two twos, they're all hasty, and you can just turn them all sideways and kill all of your opponents. One of the other combos that you can do with this deck actually does have 
uh, Dualcaster Mage still in it. <sighs> I love this card. Dualcaster Mage is such a unique magic card. There actually isn't another creature, at least as far as I know at the time of recording this, that does exactly what Dualcaster Mage does, which, which is there there's plenty of cards that copy instants or sorcery spells but the fact that it is a creature that can be cast at flash speed is is just incredible that opens the venue for so many different infinite combos um due to the restrictions of feather though and the color combination um i can only put two dual caster mage uh combos in here so the other one is you just need dual caster mage and then uh acrobatic maneuver which is two and a white for an instant and it says exile target creature you control then return that card to the battlefield under its owner's control uh and then you draw a card off of that so how this works is it's the same way that you would do the heat shimmer twin flame um all you do is you cast acrobatic maneuver targeting a different creature that you control and then cast the dual caster mage it creates a copy of acrobatic maneuver and then the copy flickers the dual caster mage it enters you draw a card off of the second line of text from acrobatic maneuver the dual caster mage re-enters and makes another copy etc etc so the end state of this loop is that you draw your entire deck so this one you can use to get the heat shimmer twin flame loop it does require about uh eight or nine mana to actually do this with dual caster mage and do the twin flame all in one turn uh so it's a little easier to do this maybe on your opponent's end step that way you can draw into the other loop the last combo is really hard to pull off but I think it's really funny. It's it's really interesting. So the way that it works is you need four pieces to it. You either need Zada, Hedron Grinder, or you need Mirror Wing Dragon. And I'm going to read off uh, Zada here first. So Zada is three and a red for a legendary creature, Goblin Ally. It's a 3-3. Three, three. It says whenever you cast an instant or sorcery spell that targets only zada copy that spell for each other creature you control that the spell could target each copy targets a different one of those creatures so what happens is you cast a spell that targets zada hedron grinder let's say it's an infuriate so you cast it on zada so then zada almost forks it off to the rest of your team so then you just get a copy of infuriate for all of your other creatures and mirror wing dragon basically reads the same it's three a red and a red for a creature dragon it's a four or five it has flying whenever a player casts an instant or sorcery spell that targets only mirror wing dragon that player copies that spell for each other creature he or she controls that that spell could target each copy targets a different one of those creatures so if an opponent casts say a putrefy on mirror wing dragon then you get to copy a putrefy for each other creature that the putrefy could then actually target so you need either zada or mirror wing dragon that way it forks all of your own spells onto your own creatures then you need 
any spell that targets one of your creatures to give it lifelink. So then Zotto or the Mirror Wing Dragon forks it, and then all of your creatures gain lifelink. And then you also need a spell that gives target creature indestructible, which Zada or the Mirror Wing Dragon will then fork. So at this point in the combo, all of your creatures have both lifelink and indestructible. And then you cast Arc Bond, which is two and a red for an instant. It says two's target creature. Whenever that creature is dealt damage this turn, it deals that much damage to each other creature and each player. So what you need is you use Zada to make your entire board indestructible and give them all lifelink or their mirror wing dragon. You use Arc Bond on one of your own creatures, which then gets forked by Zada or the dragon. So then they all have an Arc Bond on them. So then whenever any of your creatures are dealt damage, that creature deals that much damage to each other creature and each player. So the last thing you need is to have any one of your creatures take any amount of damage. So what will happen is if you have, let's, let's just say, let's just say for a minute, you have Zada and you have like five one ones. You've already done, you've already done a couple of loops. They all have indestructible. They all have, lifelink you've already put arc bond on all of them so then you cast say a right which just deals the damage to one of your creatures on your zada so then whenever zada is dealt damage it deals that much damage to each other creature in each player so it'll then deal one damage to each of your other tokens which whenever they'll dealt damage they'll do one damage to each other one of your creatures and each opponent, and each other creature, and so on and so forth. So the damage gets reflected off of your own creatures, essentially, which is why they need the indestructible. But the end goal of that loop, basically, is you deal infinite damage to each player and each creature that you don't control. The reason for the lifelink is so that way you actually gain life out of the entire exchange, so you don't die to your own arc bond. So this combo is so much harder to pull off. Uh, however, I did decide to include it just because most of the cards in it, in the combo at least, uh, should already be going in the deck. Maybe not Arc Bond. Um, it is it is kind of a funny utility card, but Zada and Mirror Wing Dragon should definitely be going in the deck. Um, you might want a couple of lifelink spells, at least one or two. Indestructible spells are really important for this deck. A lot of them have, you know, the text scry one on them, draw cards, something like that. Uh, so they're really important as cantrips. So it's not the easiest combo, and it's not the most game-winningest combo. It's definitely not the cheapest combo. However, it is really funny. It's a very strange interaction between a lot of cards, and that's why I play combo. I like the crazy interactions between cards. It's very memeish. It feels really funny and kind of silly. Um, and it's honestly pretty easy to slot in the deck. It's really not even a combo that you put into the deck as a win condition. It's just sort of a pseudo combo that's already there because you already have access to all of these cards anyway. So speaking of already having access to all these cards, how do all of these combo cards work in the 99? Well, 
with the dual caster mage this card is still pretty good in the deck considering we're spell sp we're considering we're a spell slinging aggro deck uh it can copy our value spells or it can get an opponent spell maybe a putrefy or a sphinx's revelation it can copy any one of our spells that we're doing maybe to draw some additional cards provide some additional value um you know we cast an indestructible spell that says scry one on one of our creatures but our opponent gets to it first and they cast that darn putrefy on feather maybe even you can flash in the dual caster mage copy the putrefy if you want to copy the indestructible spell make feather indestructible go on with your day it's also just another creature it's another creature that just cares about instants and sorceries so it's a pretty good addition to the deck uh even without the combo and then in the way of heat shimmer and twin flame well these spells work pretty great in the deck outside the combo actually uh they combo our value creatures letting us smash in for damage with those tokens uh and since these spells do target creatures with feathers ability we actually get to return them to our hand at the end step to then just do it later uh it is a little bit unfortunate that the creatures don't actually stick around um but getting a heroic trigger which i'll talk about a little bit later and using the token to maybe make a risky attack since it's gonna die anyway uh is pretty good value for three mana you know someone's got that really big creature on board you don't necessarily want to smash in make a coat make a token copy of something put a bunch of stuff on it you still get all those cards back at the end step use the token smash in die other block it that's fine it's a token we don't care or we get in some serious damage which is also fine because we didn't even lose any of those cards as for zada and the mirror wing dragon is the in the cute little arc bond thing uh these are actually some of the best cards in the deck forking every spell we cast to each one of our creatures is absolutely massive value and each part of the text is copied as well meaning that if the card cantrips then you draw a card for each creature that it got copied on so for instance expedite it is a single red it's an instant target creature gains haste draw card well if you cast that on zada then zada forks it on all your other creatures but she copies the entire card so you draw a card for every creature that it goes on to, which is absolutely massive value. That is insane. Giving all, you know, scrying a bunch of times, drawing a bunch of cards, all of that additional value is just really good. As for Arc Bond, it's a funny, it's a funny utility card. Honestly, it could stay in, it could come out. It could be an absolute blowout, board wipe, game ender, or it could be a seriously dead card. I'll leave it to personal choice whether you'd like to run Arc Bond, but it does create um, that funny little infinite combo. It is very niche. It's very it's very strange, um, but it could have some it could have some good utility. So the last question about the combo is, how exactly viable are any of these combos? All in all. They're actually pretty good. Uh, the main combo with Dual Caster Mage and Heat Shimmer is low to the ground. It's castable on turn six and is a pretty sufficient game ender being infinite damage on the board. Uh, infinite draw with the Dual Caster in the case of the Acrobatic Maneuver Loop is a little bit worse since you do need the extra mana to play any other cards you need to close the game. 
So you cast Acrobatic Maneuver, you play Dual Caster Mage, you draw your whole deck, but you still need at least two additional mana to cast the Twin Flame in order to then create token copies of the Dual Caster Mage. Um, but it can be done on the end step before your turn, so then you have access to all of those cards. Not to mention, all of the car all of these cards work perfectly well in the 99, so they still function outside of the combo. So the dual caster loops are are definitely completely viable. The arc bond win, though, is a little trickier. Uh, it requires too many pieces and too many things to go correctly in order to be a reliable win condition. You have to have Zada or the Mirror Wing Dragon out. You have to cast a lifelink spell on them in order to fork all your stars. You have to cast an indestructible spell in order to fork all your things. You have to have an arc bond in hand. You have to deal all you have to deal some amount of damage to any one of your creatures in order to make any of this even happen. However, most of the pieces that you use in this particular game ender are cards that you already want in the deck, like I said earlier, except maybe Arc Bond itself. So while it is is it it isn't easy to pull off, it's not entirely impossible because you do already have all these cards as value pieces. Not to mention, it is a hilarious win condition. If you jump through that many hoops and you get it, you deserve to win the game. If you're in it for the memes, definitely go for it. I think that this combo is hilarious. So I've gone through the combo that gets slotted into the Feather deck, but how do you build the rest of the deck? Well, Feather cares about casting spells that target our creatures, so obviously we want to piggyback off of that a little bit and do some casting on our own creatures as well. So a great piece of synergy that Feather provides with is creatures that have Heroic, which is an ability that triggers when that creature is targeted with a spell, uh, specifically you. So Heroic reads, whenever you cast a spell that targets this creature, uh, do an action. So there's many of them with a wide range of abilities, but these are a couple of the ones that I think are, are probably the best. So the first one that you've got is the Acroan Crusader, which is just a single red for a creature. It's a human soldier. It's a 1-1. One -one. It has Heroic. So whenever you cast a spell that targets Acroan Crusader, you create a 1-1 one -one red soldier creature token with haste. And then you also have the Vanguard of Brymaz, which is double white for a creature, a cat soldier. It's a 2-2. It has vigilance and heroic. So whenever you cast a spell that targets Vanguard of Brymaz, put a 1-1 white cat soldier creature token with vigilance onto the battlefield. So with the single mind that Feather has wanting to stack up so many spells on one creature, typically a lot of the people that play Feather or that want to build Feather usually stack all of the spells onto feather because with feather you only need to deal the 21 damage and with playing a bunch of punt spells turn after turn after turn you can get there pretty easily um but these two creatures provide some utility by gunking up the board with chump blockers and creatures that you can throw into, into risky situations rather than just dumping all your eggs in one basket with feather feather wants to go tall with a single creature but these two creatures also let you stretch out a little bit more to kind of protect against some of the go-wide decks. And then a couple more heroic creatures that I have here. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go through with these one by one. A lot of them are very similar. 
a lot of them actually read the same, but they're all different enough that I can that I'm gonna I'm gonna go through them separately here. So the first one is Anax and Siamid. I hope I said that right. It is one a red and a white for a legendary creature, human soldier. They have first strike and life, and they have first strike and vigilance. Excuse me. Uh, there are three two, heroic. Whenever you cast a spell that targets Anax and Siamid, creatures you control get plus one plus one and gain trample until end of turn. Then you also have the Hero of the Nyxborn, which is one, a red, and a white. For an enchantment creature, it's a human soldier. It's a 2-2. When Hero of the Nyxborn enters the battlefield, create a 1-1 white human soldier creature token. Whenever you cast a spell that targets Hero of the Nyxborn, creatures you control get plus 1 plus 0 until end of turn. Then you have the Hero of the Pride, which is one and a white for a creature, a cat soldier. It's a 2-2. Whenever you cast a spell that targets Hero of the Pride, creatures you control get plus one, plus zero oh until end of turn. I'm sure you're already seeding the pattern here. And then we've got two more. Hero of the Winds, which is three and a white for a creature or a human soldier. It's a one, four. That's flying. Whenever you cast a spell that targets it, creatures you control get plus one, plus zero oh until end of turn. And the Phalanx Leader, which is double white for a creature, human soldier. It's a one, one. Heroic. Whenever you cast a spell that targets Phalanx Leader, but a plus one plus one counter on each creature you control. Huh. All right. So speaking of go wide, these creatures pump our entire team. Feather is not the only creature that we're ever going to have on the board. There are plenty of other utility creatures. I'm going to get to some of those a little bit later here that we want to be playing. So again, with the way Feather wants us to operate, it can leave us open to go wide decks. But going tall also leaves us with the issue of getting through chump blockers. Uh, these creatures give us a way to have all of our creatures benefit off of Feather's ability, pumping them all and helping just kind of get that damage in. If you are just stacking all of your cards on Feather over and over and over again, there's plenty of protection spells in Feather. We're not really worried about dealing... We're not really worried about keeping her on the board at all because we have plenty of indestructible spells, plenty of protection spells. I'll talk about some of those later. So we're not worried about putting all our all our eggs in one basket. We're worried about all of the backswinging aggression that we're going to have after doing that. So if you only have Feather on the board and you can't get through all of that damage, you can't get through significant damage, well, you still have three other players, three other players plus even to then face up against so feather isn't always going to be a 100% adequate threat there you just always need more creatures than the battlefield and these go wide creatures really help us uh just kind of get in for that damage so speaking of getting in for damage uh it's time to reach out a little bit so now that we have some of our fig creatures figured out we could use some additional ways to get damage through to our opponents. Uh, luckily, Red has plenty of creatures that love to deal damage when we cast spells. Um, so the first one we've got is the Electrostatic Field. It is one in red for a creature, a wall. It's, a, it's just a 0-4. It has Defender. Whenever you cast an instant or sorcery spell, Electrostatic Field deals one damage to each opponent. So... Whenever we cast one of our cantrips, whenever we cast a spell that targets Feather or any of our other creatures, Electrostatic Field just pings each of our opponents. 
it's a really good way of just getting kind of getting in there with um, our other opponents and just, you know, helping to push the damage through. An electrostatic field is not the only one. We've also got the Firebrand Archer, which is one and a red for a creature human archer. It's a 2-1. Whenever you cast a non-creature spell, Firebrand Archer deals one damage to each opponent. So it also works the same as the electrostatic field. Uh, it does say non-creature, but it might as well say instant or sorcery because it's going to trigger off of all of our spells that we're using to target our own creatures. We've also got arguably the best one, which is Gutter Snipe. It's two and a red for a creature, Goblin Shaman. It's a 2-2. Two, two. Whenever you cast an instant or sorcery spell, Gutter Snipe deals two damage to each opponent. If we're casting two, three spells every turn, that's six damage to each opponent every single turn. That's almost a quarter of their life total every single turn. If you can cast five plus spells every turn, opponents dead just like that not to mention all of these creatures are creatures that we can be targeting with all of these spells that feather lets us actually return to our hand and then another one that actually has heroic is the labyrinth champion which is three and a red for a creature human warrior it's a two two that's heroic so whenever you cast a spell that targets labyrinth champion labyrinth champion deals two damage to target creature or player now this one is a little bit worse the other ones do deal damage to each one of our opponents, so it kind of helps to spread out the damage a little bit. But in a deck like this where it might be a little bit harder to kind of get through that damage, we want as many of these kind of repeatable effects as we can get. Not to mention it does have heroic, so we do get at least some kind of benefit off of actually casting spells that target this creature. And then the last one is the Thermo Alchemist. It is one and a red for a creature human shaman. It has defender and then tap it. Thermo alchemist deals one damage to each opponent. And whenever you cast an instant or sorcery spell, untap Thermo alchemist. It is a zero three. So this essentially reads the same as electrostatic field. It just doesn't work on the turn you play it because it does have summoning sickness. You do need to tap it. But again, same thing. It just deals damage to our opponents for casting incense and sorceries. It's what we want. Helps us reach out, ping those life totals down. So we've got some interesting heroic creatures here. And we've got some creatures that help us, help us benefit off of casting incense and sorceries. Now it's time, I think, for some other threats. And just because these creatures don't do anything when you target them doesn't mean that they're not serious threats on the board. They still have very powerful abilities that provide great utility and th are threats that need answered. The first one is a new one from Strixhaven, well, a newer one. Uh, it is Leon and Lightscribe. It's one and a white for a creature. It's a cat cleric. It's also a 2-2. Two -two. It has Magecraft. So whenever you cast or copy an instant or sorcery spell, creatures you control get plus one, plus one until the end of the turn. This is a great payoff for going wide, just like a lot of the other heroic creatures that I talked about earlier. Uh, giving all of our creatures a buff for casting spells. It's also very easy to make some interesting attacks, since you can cast instants and trigger light scribe to kind of kill some blockers off. As a lord, it works really well because you can just attack with your whole team. Your opponent doesn't know what's up. They make some kind of risky blocks, and you just 
Pump spell, pump spell, pump spell. Your creatures now all have plus three, plus three. Blockers are dead. It's a solid creature that essentially gives all of our creatures palace and just kind of helps to get some additional damage in. The next one is also very similar to some of the heroic creatures that I was talking about earlier. It's the Young Pyromancer, which is one and a red for a creature human shaman. It's a 2-1. Whenever you cast an instant or sorcery spell, create a 1-1 elemental creature token. This is another creature that goes great with some of the heroic token generators, giving us a cheap creature every time we cast a spell, not only when we cast one that targets it. Again, gunking up the board is a good thing, keeping some of the aggression from our opponents off of us. So, Young Pyromancer especially goes really good with the Leon and Light Scribe. You can now see uh, that a lot of these cards are kind of starting to overlap. We got, these to we got a couple of these token generators. They put bodies on the board. We got a couple of anthems here. They, uh, you know, help us get in for damage. They make all of our creatures bigger. Not to mention, if we got any of our instant or sorcery payoff creatures, then we're dealing additional damage to each of our opponents. This is just a really aggressive deck, but it also has a lot of really good utility to it, and it's got a lot of card advantage too, all thanks to Feather. And speaking of card advantage, this next one is fantastic for that. It's the Burning Prophet. It's one and a red for a creature, Human Wizard. It's a 1-3. Whenever you cast a non-creature spell, Burning Prophet gets plus 1, plus 0 until end of turn, and then you scry one. So it's a cheap creature that gets bigger the more spells we cast, but it also provides a little bit of card selection with the scry. It can get really big fast, and it can also dig through the deck pretty efficiently. Um, we're running plenty of cards that just have, you know, target creature gets plus one, plus oh, scry one. Target creature gets indestructible, scry one. Because we want that kind of card selection when we're in Boros. We need to take whatever we can get. So having a creature that does it whenever we cast any spell is absolutely fantastic. And the last one. Oh, the last one. Whoo! This card is actually a personal favorite of mine. Now, I'm not a very aggressive player. I'm, I'm really not. Um, I don't really like turning creatures sideways. If I'm playing 60 card, maybe on Arena, I prefer combo decks. I prefer control decks, uh, fun kind of mid-rangey decks. Um, if I'm playing Commander, I definitely prefer combo. I do not like aggro. But this creature really makes me like to turn it sideways. It's Kiln Fiend. It is one and a red for a creature Elemental Beast. It's a 1-2. And whenever you cast an instant or sorcery spell, Kiln Fiend gets plus three, plus O oh until end of turn. You just never know how big you can grow this thing until you just start casting spells. It comes down early and it can do some serious damage in the late game. Especially with Indestructible, especially with Trample, especially with any kind of protection, especially with any kind of pump spell. If you just pay one mana and put an Infuriate on this, that's seven damage. That is almost a quarter of a life total in Commander. Seven is a lot of damage. It might not seem like it, but it really is. And that's just one Infuriate. If you cast and cast and cast spells on the Kiln Fiend, you can really grow this creature and smack in for some serious damage. And that's why I like it. 
there are plenty of other creatures uh, that have prowess, that have abilities similar to the Kiln Fiend that gives them, you know, additional power or toughness whenever you cast instants or sorceries. But I thought these were uh, just a couple of the best. So then one of the other great things that Feather provides is the ability to keep important pieces on the board by using protection spells over and over. A lot of these creatures are really small. They're really fragile. Uh, they can't always get through really big blockers. Kiln Fiend, for instance, only amplifies its power. It doesn't actually amplify any of its toughness. So uh, one of the really great things that Feather gives us is the ability to reuse protection spells a lot. So the first varying kind of spell I'm going to talk about is uh, Indestructible. So... We absolutely want to keep our creatures from leaving the board. And thankfully, there are plenty of options. All of these more or less do the same thing, give a creature indestructible. So I'm just going to read them off. We've got Adamant Will, a Johnny's Presence, Blacksmith Skill, Boros Charm, Ephemeral Shield, Fight as One, Sheltering Light, and Valorous Stance. Each of these is simple. It just gives a creatures and it just gives a creature indestructible, keeps it on the board, um, especially feather since the deck really doesn't do anything without feather on board. Feather is the single most important creature in the entire deck, and it's very good that she is in the command zone because we always want access to her, and that's why we want to run so many protection spells. Not only that, but a lot of them actually. Uh, either cantrip or they have some kind of other utility on them, such as the Boros Charm, uh, giving us some of the other modes to use. Uh, the Indestructible comes in handy a lot, but it can also just deal four damage to target creature or player. That probably won't see a lot of play. We're either looking to use the target creature gains double strike until end of turn, which is really, really good. Um, or permanency control again indestructible until end of turn. This card, I think, is definitely one of the best cards in the deck. Definitely one of the best um, indestructible cards, protection kind of things. Just because if we're not using it to save our board, we can just, in the middle of combat, okay, target creature gains double strike. And it still goes back to our hand. We still have the ability to use it for the permanency control gain indestructible until end of turn line of text. So... Boros Charm has a lot of utility. And then Sheltering Light also gives us a little bit of card selection with the Scry. Like I said earlier, Boros, it has a really hard time drawing cards. Um, it still wants to be really aggressive, though. So we want as much Scrying, as much cantripping sort of things as we can possibly get. And Valorant Stance also does Ling as a removal spell, letting us kill something big. So that's Indestructible. Another way to fight removal is with protection. So, again, I'm just going to name these off. Uh, we've got God's Willing, Shelter, Blessed Breath, Faith's Shield, and Sajiri Shelter. So, these cards just kind of double down on, creating, on keeping our creatures on the board by protecting them from removal spells. Uh, I think that the protection spells... Work better for single. Work better for single target, since we can fizzle a putrefy on feather by just saying, "Okay, the feather now has protection from black," and you don't even use the putrefy. 
while I think that the indestructible ones are better for your opponent's turn when they're about to wrath or something like that because most wraths are going to get around the protection clause so the indestructibility is a lot more useful there since most board wipes are just going to say destroy all creatures and again a lot of these just have a double utility so god's willing provides some additional card selection with the scry and shelter gives card advantage with the draw on it and Sajiri Salter also doubles as a land, so it can actually count as part of our land count, meaning that it's an easy slot in the deck. And then another way that we can protect our creatures, and I didn't write down uh, any cards for this section. Uh, I am going to talk about it a little bit, though. Uh, they're blink spells. So blink spells can also work as protection by removing our creatures and returning them to fizzle spells or keeping them off the board while an opponent is board wiping uh one of the best is eerie interlude which is two and a white for an instant it just says exile any number of target so you do get to put this back into your hand with feather uh exile any number of target creatures you control return those cards to the battlefield under their owner's control at the beginning of the next end step so this one is probably one of the best blink spells. It can save your whole team, and it still gets returned to your hand with Feather. Uh, there are quite a few blink spells you could run. However, I don't think three layers of protection is necessary. Um, I think a mixture of these three is probably pretty decent, but I do think that Eerie Interlude's ability to save your entire board and go back into your hand with Feather is just 100% unmatched. If you are not going to run any other blink spells except for this one, run this one. Because you can use this card on your opponent's turn, and then you can use it on your opponent's turn again, and then you can use it on your opponent's turn again. Because Feather actually does say that it doesn't... Feather doesn't actually care whether you put them into your hand on your end step or an opponent's end step it just says if you do return it to your hand at the beginning of the next end step so if every one of your opponents is gunning for you and they each have a wrath of god in hand you can okay i'll enter eerily during your turn your wrath of god is useless i put it back in my hand eerie interlude again during your turn wrath of god is useless put it back in my hand just again and again and again eerie interlude such a good card so then the next thing to talk about is the draw package, which I definitely think is really, really important just because of the fact that Boros does not draw cards, especially the, with the way that Feather actually wants you to play her, which is like a spell slinging pump spell kind of deck. Um, you need to be able to keep cards in your hand, which is really good the way that Feather is worded because she lets you do that. Um, but in order to keep threats in our hand and continue churning through our deck, some of the most important cards to run are cantrips that actually target our creatures. And these buff our creatures or give them different abilities, but they also draw a card. And by returning them to our hand with Feather, you can keep that card advantage coming. So you can use Expedite on your turn, put it back, draw a card, put it back in your hand. Use an Expedite on your opponent's turn, on your other opponent's turn, on your third opponent's turn, put it back in your hand. You've drawn... Four cards for four mana off of 
one single card that's still in your hand at the beginning of your turn. So I'm just going to name these off again. There's only a couple that I put down, but these are just few of the many, many cards that you could put in this deck that target a creature that you, that you can trip. So we've got Accelerate, Crimson Wisps, Defiant Strike, Expedite, which I've talked about a lot, and Fists of Flame. Any number of these kinds of cards is decent for the deck. Buffing our creatures, adding different effects, drawing through the deck. Scrying is also really good. Drawing cards, really good. All of these kinds of cards is exactly what you run want to run, just because it lets you keep that aggro start even towards the late game while still providing you that card advantage that keeps that momentum going that a lot of other Boros decks actually lack. So one more thing that I would like to talk about is it's just a single card. However, this could easily be one of the most powerful cards in the entire deck. It's Sunforger, which is three mana for an artifact equipment. Equipped creature gets plus four plus O. Oh. I think that Sunforger could not even have that text on it, and it would still be worth playing for the second line of text, which is for a red and a white, you unattach Sunforger, search your library for a red or white instant card with converted mana cost four or less, and cast that card without paying its mana cost, then shuffle your library, and it has equipped for three. So one of the reasons that I think this is one of the easily one of the best cards in the deck is because it just goes and finds you literally anything not only that but when you find anything with it any one of your target spells that spell goes back into your hand because you don't copy the spell you don't search for it in your library and then put it in your graveyard and make a copy of it or anything you cast that actual spell so if it targets a creature you control, you actually put it into your hand. So Sunforger is basically five mana just tutor anything into your into your hand. It works with Boros Charm. It works with God's Willing. It works with Expedite, Defiant Strike, Adam and Will, any, any one of these cards. So Sunforger is easily just one of the best cards in the whole deck. Not only that, but like it can also get any of your removal spells too. Sorts the plowshares, pack the exile. It can get return to dust. Any of these cards. Any of them. The only restriction is that has to be an instant and it has to be mana cost four or less. But that's not even really that much of a restriction because we're going to be playing so many of those cards anyway. So Sunforger, absolute auto include. And one more thing I would like to talk about before I kind of wrap up here is the price. So even Sunforger, which is one of the best cards in the whole deck, Sunforger is barely almost a dollar. Feather is also barely almost a dollar. A lot of the cards that I've talked about, a lot of the pump spells at least, are commons or uncommons that don't see any kind of competitive play that don't see any kind of play even in Commander. So a lot of them are 25 cents, 50 cents. They're not really played anywhere. They, so they don't even really have a price. 
a lot of the creatures that I've talked about, they don't really have any place in almost any format. A lot of these heroic creatures, they don't do anything in older formats. A few of the of the creatures that deal damage to our opponents for casting instants of sorceries, a few of them have a couple of bucks. But I say all this to make a point that Feather is a budget deck. And she's, I think, the first budget deck that I've actually even ever done. And not only is she a budget deck, but it's a really powerful budget deck with a pretty good infinite combo in it. Um, some pretty decent ways to actually find it up. And she's just got a lot of utility, a lot of value, a lot of that late game value that Boros really needs. And you can build it for cheap. So I think that Feather is a, a really good deck. She's one of the best Boros commanders because of her incredibly unique ability and gameplay. Uh, keeping all of our pump spells in hands means lowered risk for going all in on a single creature with the backup of plenty of protection spells. With a solid combo that easily slots in this deck, Feather is aggressive and it's fun to play with how different her ability is. Not only that, but she's a fantastic budget deck with many of those pump spells being common or uncommon and plenty of the creatures don't see much play or are common or uncommon. Overall, Feather is solid, fun to play, hard hitting, and cheap to build. So, what infinite combos would you put in Feather? Would you put Arc Bond in this deck? Would you try to win that way? Do you think that Feather even needs an infinite combo in the deck? Or do you think that she can just grind out enough value and hit for enough damage that she doesn't even need a way to go infinite to win the game? Let me know in the comments below and tune in next time when we enter the infinite.